pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. You're listening to Resonance 104.4 FM. For the next hour, we're going to be bringing you the best in video game radio. There aren't many other video game radio shows, but if you're going to listen to one, listen to this one. Live and exclusive on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is One Life Left. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left, Britain's favourite video game radio show. I'm Steve Curran. I'm Simon Byron. And where's Anne Scantlebury? Oh, wait. This is the exact same joke that we did last week, only Simon started being you. <sighs> and then I was him. I'm always Simon. How did Simon do me? Um, just by basically almost pressing the buttons at the right time. Almost. Hitting his head a lot. Mm-hmm. And being a bit tired. I am very, very tired. I have just flown in from Los Angeles to be here on One Life Left. Well, thanks for that. Which is lucky, because Simon hasn't bothered <laughs> at all, has he? Where is he? I don't know. Who knows? But it's okay, because we have a stand-in, Simon, as provided by Thank Simon. Goodness. And that's Keith Stewart from The Guardian, Guardian Games correspondent. Hello, Keith. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? Good I'm to good. have you on the show. I'm all right. I, I actually know where Simon is, but I'm not sure if I'll get into trouble... To, to say where he is or not. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay, maybe we'll leave that for... Let's, <laughs> you can drop in clues throughout okay, the show and, okay. and we'll see if any of our listeners manage to guess by the end of the show. Okay. Uh, when Simon was selecting someone to stand in for him, what qualities did, do you think he was looking for? I think he was looking for someone uh, devilishly attractive. Okay, for good radio. for radio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was his first thought. Who who uh, who knew what they were talking about? He didn't find that person, so he stumbled into me when he was trying to PR something at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. That's good. I actually had a conversation with Simon about this show. He said, oh, really? Uh, sorry, 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 master. Can't make the show. Uh, but I found, um, found a great stand-in. It's case Stew. Case Stew. I got very excited. Oh, and then... No, I, you know, I prefer this case Stew to the Arpats Hopefully one. this so one isn't a cheat. Worked out well. That's not the only voice we have on the show. No, it's not. We have another very, very special guest today. Uh, Paul Presley, editor 
of Continue. Hello. Hi, yep. How are you doing? I'm okay. And why do you think Simon picked you for the show? Probably because I've known him since he started in this industry. Really? Has he been working on you for the last six years? Oh, I've seen him there always buying me up behind the bushes, <laughs> you know, putting me the sticks. Just shouting, come on, one life left. What do you expect for the next uh, 58 minutes? Uh, abject terror. Terror? Yeah, for my part. That's okay, Simon isn't here. Yeah. Uh, basically, I think what you can expect is some video game chat, not that much, and a vague air of incompetence across the whole uh, the whole thing. I, I mean, Keith's here, maybe you'll lift the standards. He's going to raise we'll the see. game. I think so, yeah. The Guardian always raises the game. <laughs> did, uh, did that happen when you were out with Guardian uh, correspondent Simon Park in the other night? He definitely raised the game with Find regards out. to um, drinking. Find out more about that later in the show. For now, here's the news. Seven oh four on Monday, the first of October. I'm Anne Scanthbury, and this is the news. Minecraft developer Marcus Pearson has told Microsoft they can stick Windows 8. In a tweet, Notch said, Got an email from Microsoft wanting to help certify Minecraft for Windows 8. I told them to stop trying to ruin the PC as an open platform. Game developers and distributors, including Valve's Gabe Newell, are concerned that Windows 8 will run as a closed platform. Based on numbers, we're concerned with how Windows 8 can possibly be better than Windows 97. Have you, uh, have you looked into this beyond the sort of... Um you know, zing that Notch gave. Yeah, I read the Wikipedia page. Okay. Uh, for what? Notch? Windows for Minecraft? 8. For Windows 8. Yeah. What did it tell you? Well, actually, I just read the headings. Okay. <laughs> what did that tell you? It is some software. <laughs> okay, Keith, uh, can you give us some insight on this topic? I, I, I might be able to go one step further than that. Uh, you read the subheadings. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, yeah, essentially what Notch is worried about is that, is that Windows 8 doesn't have or doesn't offer compatibility with the XNA development architecture, which was uh, what lots of people use to develop on Xbox and PC. Um, uh, Windows 8 looks as though it's going to support it in some way, but it's not going to allow XNA developed games onto its little chop on online. So right, okay. I I read something else into this, which was I believe that they're not going to allow um, sort of you to run kind of unsigned applications on the. Uh, tablet equivalent of Windows 8, the one that's based on ARM architecture, is that right? There are two SKUs of Windows 8. Yeah, I think it is. And I think their argument is that they want to make sure software isn't going to crash systems and Mm -hmm. things like that. But um, But the the, the PC version of Windows 8, the one that runs on standard sort of architecture, i.e. the same as Windows 7, is going to be able to run unsigned stuff. It just won't go on the store. It just won't go on their store. Right, I see. The other thing is that um, that, that Gabe Newell, um, who's been railing against this for a while, I think uh, I think he has a point, but also there's the rumours that they have a vested interest in the, in this because the idea that um, Steam is now the sole uh, distributor, essentially, the, or the major distributor for uh, game software, and Microsoft are making a play for that, right? It looks like it, yeah. I mean, it, Microsoft must have looked at the rise of Steam and thought, "Hang on a second, why isn't that? Why, why aren't we mm. running something like that? Why, why is that not happening for us?" And and shipping Windows 8 is the perfect po- chance for them to try to usurp to try to usurp uh, Steam. So it could be that Gabe has has. Uh, an illegitimate concern, but also I suspect there's a certain amount of business interest there as well. Paul, did that sound like we knew what we were talking about? Very much so. Really? More than I did. <laughs> what is Windows 8? 
Little Big Planet beta developer Tarsia is offering a one-month internship to the best minigame creator. The company is accepting submissions until the 19th of October when teams at Sony will judge the entries. The winner will then work with developers in Sweden for a month to turn their game into Little Big Planet DLC. If you're the lucky intern, make sure you read the HR guidelines very carefully. Nobody wants to be sacked by Sackboy. How is this competition being judged? By teams. By teams. At Sony. Oh, right. They're okay. going to play them and judge them based on originality uh, and other things. Didn't I read a story, or even hear it on One Life Left, I can't remember, uh, uh, where they'd hired someone to judge these things for them? They'd hired the first Little Big Planet moderator. Am I making that up? I might be making that up. I think up. you're making Okay. He's just nodded solemnly. Yeah. <laughs> That's fiction. That's yeah. completely made up. Nasty. <laughs> this is a good thing, isn't it? Paul bringing gaming back to the communities, giving them a chance to make what they want on consoles, not just on PC. But haven't they been doing that for ages anyway? With Have the they? indie developers and stuff? I suppose, but um, not so much on Sony platforms. Mm. Uh, they've they've not really had a chance, and that's what Little Big Planet Two specifically is building. It's you know, it's all the amazing things. I think for part of their marketing campaign, they constructed uh, other video games inside it, didn't they? They have done that. Yeah, they've constructed all sorts of things inside Little Big Planet. So yeah, I think th- this is something that Sony have often often tried to do in the past. I'm old enough to remember net, the Net Eurose console, of um, where where they sought to encourage people to develop for PlayStation by bringing out this £500 uh, console. Mm. Uh, we, it's a little we, bit more exclusive, that yeah, one, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. But it's something that they have kind of supported at the same time as as, as doing almost the exact opposite by making it difficult to sort of fiddle with their hardware. And Has anyone in this room tried to make their own game? I have, yes. Using Game oh, well, Maker in, software? Uh, no, no, it was before that. I know okay. I did. I did use the shoot 'em up construction kit on the Commodore 64. Right, because this seems like a, a, a similar thing to that to me. Um, mm. Never really managed to do anything. No, I made some really awful version of Carmageddon. Okay, uh, and and it was. I think it was even more. Uh, t- tasteless than the actual one that got released but I was 14 and I knew no better (laughs) If you want to buy a game and also feel better about yourself then get Rocksmith from HMB Money from sales at the retailer will go to the Teenage Cancer Trust Ubisoft and HMB will both put in £2.50 for every copy of the game sold The game which launches on Friday lets you plug a real guitar into your console so you don't have to deal with all that fake plastic stuff Thank goodness here at One Life Left we think fake plastic stuff is the absolute worst so people who listen to One Life Left uh, over Christmas will yeah. know that we've already had some experience of using video games to teach us musical instruments. Oh, yeah. What happened? Uh, we played the recorders. We did. Not the best, but we were better than when we started. We learned to play a carol, didn't we? Yeah. On, on, on the recorders using some uh, some iPad software. This is, a, this is a bigger equivalent of that, yeah, isn't it? Guitars. Ubisoft are going out for the Guitar Hero market, which may have been still in full swing when they started development mm. of this product Uh-oh. and now it's somewhat collapsed but is this a new take on it keith well not really because didn't rock didn't um rock band 2 allow you to plug in real instruments they had they had a pro guitar didn't they yeah which was a, a very sophisticated one i don't know about the real instrument thing i thought i thought oh maybe it was a plan that they were going to do and it, may be true. it because I, the whole genre was dying quite <laughs> I, 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 and that's that's what makes this interesting uh is it is it you know a good idea though still i mean surely people always want to play the guitar i think if you get to that level you're almost getting to the point where why don't you just learn to play the guitar (laughs) but isn't that the point that's what it is it's teaching you get a teacher (laughs) 
is this this cheaper than a teacher, isn't it? And you don't have also, to talk there, to there'll people. There'll be gameplay in it, and you'll have fun whilst you learn. Isn't that the point? You don't have fun when you go to learn an instrument. Did I have fun when I was learning the clarinet, Keith? Do you really think that I did? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I <don't know>. No, <laughs> I didn't. Well, I've never seen such fury. <laughs> my goodness, it turns out blowing on an NES cartridge didn't actually do anything much to help when an error message occurred. Game Press webcast host Frankie Vitriolo conducted a not very scientific experiment that seems to show that blowing on a cartridge actually damages it. What? Another myth that we would like to debunk is that punching your TV screen when doing badly at a game will make it better. It will, in fact, just break your TV screen and maybe your hand. Tell us more about this, Anne, the science behind this experiment. Mm-hmm. You must have looked it up, the method, okay, the results, Okay, so what he's saying is... Okay. Um, so you would think you'd get an error message, you'd take it out, you'd blow on it, and people thought that that would fix it, that would somehow uh, get the connections going again. He's saying the connections were just a bit shoddy in the first place. If you took something out and put it back in repeatedly, right. it's likely that it would just start working eventually. However, the your saliva blowing on something like you're blowing stuff onto a thing mm-hmm. um, it's going to eventually build up and it'll damage it a bit. I see so it's the friction between the contacts anyway which is cleaning yeah. them so it's just that's like the Yuri Geller thing isn't it? What with the spoon? With the watches. Oh the watches. That some people said like he used to do a thing on TV where you would take out a you know he'd say go and get a watch that has stopped wor- working you know a yeah. clockwork watch and you take it out and he'd like hold it in your hands hold yeah. it in your hands and I'm going to send psychic waves through the TV and and then some of these watches would start going and it would seem like a miracle. But mm, the, yes. you know, the sceptics would say that that wasn't Yuri's incredible mind powers. But in fact, when you take something like that out, you know, heat it up a bit with the, you know, maybe the, the sort of clock. I don't know how clockwork Is works. Is that a similar thing when people but, told you to put your like PS3 clockwork. if it broke into your oven? <laughs> that's that that, that true. Well, oh, I thought it was the Xbox. Oh, was it the Xbox? It? Yeah, put that in your oven. Don't put your PS3 in your oven. <laughs> yeah. You can put your sake. Xbox in your oven, and that's totally fine. I mean, fine. you can put anything you want in your oven. Just don't. Like, don't, don't turn it on. Uh, it probably isn't like that. But this oh. it seems like science. Although you know, you said it was a slightly shoddy experiment. Why? Is well, that? I mean, he was doing it at home and not in lab conditions. <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> if you're not wearing goggles, home. then it's not a scientific experiment. Um, I did like the way that, I, I don't know if uh, you guys got that feeling, but the way it was referred to as some people, it sounded like it was from prehistory. <laughs> like, I don't, do you remember doing any uh, any weird things to get games working from I back in the day? I definitely did the blowing on the cartridge thing, and it seemed to work, but, yeah, it also seemed to just throw dirt all over my uh, carpet as much as well. Uh, it's a little bit late for this now, isn't it? I mean, that might have been useful <laughs> information about 20 years ago. But Well, I guess the cartridges have got quite <clears throat> dusty since then. I guess I so. But Try blowing into your iPhone if that stops working. Maybe. Seems unlikely. And finally, if you haven't decided what to have for dinner yet, why not consider something inspired by Capcom's recent art installation? The exhibit called Wesker and Son Resident Evil Human Butchery showed meat shaped into human body parts. Items, including peppered human and lemon sausages, were available to buy. Unfortunately, the exhibit is now closed, so you're just going to have to make do with the person sitting next to you. Don't they look delicious? Right, Okay. that's a good idea, maybe, for a PR stunt, but I'm confused. Yeah. So there are there's meat yeah. that's sculpted into the shape of humans, yeah. and then there are sausages. Yeah, well, let's not discuss that too much, Steve. What are the sausages? I, I want. I need to. Can you point? <laughs> what where the sausages no, come I from? No, I can't, Steve. Okay, I. Okay, fine. Keith, I think I. This is only one part of an enormous 
PR onslaught that Capcom have arranged for, for, for this game. And they seem to have employed the whole of Shoreditch <laughs> in a brainstorming <laughs> session. Because they've also, they've got uh, talks from virologists happening right. and it just sounds as though it's an unedited, they've had an unedited brainstorming session on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon in, 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 in some, uh, some Shoreditch bar, bar and they've just gone, we'll just do it all. But isn't the sort of aim of any of these things to get in the papers, right? It's to be one of those filler stories in the sun or the mail or whatever. And I think that, that this hits it perfectly, doesn't it? Human meat. It's like slightly outrageous, but it's still something they can put pictures of. Uh, it looked yeah. disgusting Did as it? well. Yeah. Oh, it looked disgusting. <laughs> you <laughs> just look like... You know, I mean, you're a vegetarian, so you probably don't mm-hmm. know, but you know, like, a terrine, which has, like, bacon on the outside, and it goes cold, and it has that little white stuff on the outside uh-huh. of it, and then there's, like, this torso of a, a human woman's body, and it looks like that, and it's disgusting. I'd, I'd imagine it looking like those Gunter von Hagen things, the plasticizing humans thing, did it? Uh, not, you don't know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know what okay. you're talking about. Okay, let's assume it didn't. It didn't. How do you sculpt meat? Uh, just by, I guess you have to mince it first, really, and then you can sculpt it. I think that's the most Resonance FM question I've ever asked <laughs> <laughs> on the radio. Uh, thanks, Anne. One life left, video game news with Anne Scantleberry.
You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM, the best radio station in the world. You can listen live to Resonance FM at... Uh, ResonanceFM.com We can listen recorded to One Life Left at... Uh, OneLifeLeft.com That's right. Oh, good. It wasn't that hard. No. Uh, we are a radio show about video games. We are also a podcast about video games. It doesn't change because no. we record it and put it out on the internet. It's just, you know, it's just a distribution method. In the background, you can hear right now a song called Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, which I was wary of because I thought it might be an Oasis cover or something. <laughs> but it turns out to be a brilliant piece of chip tune by Awesome Force. Uh, wow, that is some name. It's a good name. Mess around, where they? No, play. it's a good name. But then you don't have to mess around. If you're picking a band name, you can pick anything yeah. you want. So why not pick Awesome Force? They did. Uh, this is from Chipmusic.org, a brilliant repository of chip tune music. If you like this, you'll find many more songs like it there. It's time to do our interview segment of the show. <laughs> Well, we talk somewhat soberly uh, to our guest about life and the video game industry. And this week we have Paul Presley from Continue On. Hello, Paul. Hi. How are things going? Not bad at all. Is the show going well? Seems to be. Seems to be. Cautious optimism <laughs> at this stage. Wise. So tell us what it is you do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, well, I run Continue Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, we started about last August. Uh, we're a quarterly magazine and we just cover all types of gaming. Right, um, and we just do the magazine is basically feature based. Quarterly, that's an interesting schedule. Yeah, uh, well, because we're independent, and there's, there probably wouldn't be enough content for a monthly schedule. Well, so you don't have to work as hard, right? That's true. Four that's magazines true. a year. I, I just had to do that math in my head. I was like, quarterly. <laughs> no. Uh, quarterly. Uh, it seems to me like you could call yourselves a journal rather than that's what quarterly isn't like more more sort of a wisdom cricketing feel mm. quarterly yeah but well, I think maybe the, you could call yourself a quarterly i'm not trying to rebrand you right now it's it's early <laughs> well, in games that. quarterly was one of the first titles we had but then we figured like choice the gq and there's already one out there like that okay so, you know. so tell us about your audience who you're writing for um mature gamers uh, anyone who's like interested in all forms of gaming and has grown up with gaming as part of their everyday culture you know mm-hmm. people that grew up with music have music magazines as their culture as their pop uh, culture references so I bang the table um, and this is a magazine for people who grew up with games as their, as their primary source of culture because I think I think the sort of um, demographic that is mature gamers has definitely changed over the last mm. 20 years I, I mean, kids now so. yeah well true but uh, but also I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean those gamers specifically have changed but I mean the people who would be grouped as mature gamers 20 years ago uh, would be kind of very hardcore people who are early adopters into tech whereas the people who uh, are mature gamers now are, are more people I guess like me mature gamer <laughs> uh, who who grew up you know who was a total hardcore gaming kid when, when I was a teenager mm. but now somewhat feel like I've seen it all before and I'm looking for different experiences. Mm, exactly. Is that the sort of thing you've... Uh... Well, that's what we wanted to provide with this magazine, was something different to everything else out there. We looked at all the games magazines mm-hmm. and they all seem to conform to a very uh, stereotypical template of news, previews, reviews, and the old feature thrown in just to fill space. Right. We thought, well, the best part of most of those magazines are the features. There's a lot of great writing out there. Uh-huh. So we thought we'd collate that all together do some fantastic features um, a lot of really good hard opinion pieces in like columns and things but no reviews so there's right. no reviews no game previews and continue it's all about writing about gaming wow that's interesting uh, what formats do you cater for oh all gaming Anything. and when i say all gaming that's also including board gaming tabletop gaming role-playing larps card games social games drinking games it's 
basically gaming as a culture. I've never seen Anne's eyes light up in, in, a, in wow. during the show at all. Is that <laughs> the laughing or the, the drinking gaming? Well, it's obviously the drinking gaming. <laughs> uh, Keith, your, your publication also covers uh, gaming for mature gamers as well, doesn't we, it? We do try. We yes. try to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're right, it has it has changed. It's diversified. It's kind of at the Guardian's like a weird audience. You've probably got the same mm. point in that you're, you are dealing with those people that have grown up with games mm. and that have been playing for as long as we have. Mm. But you are also dealing with those people that maybe last week discovered Farmville or, or, or something like that. Or exactly, yeah. yeah. There's a whole massive load of social gamers, as they call them now, you mm. know, and it's like all the, the stereotypical American housewives who are playing Farmville left, right and centre when they're not cooking and all that kind of stuff. And no, I don't mean to say they're all cooking or anything, but that's also kind of the way we're going for as well. You know, we're trying to cover every type of gaming and every type of gamer. And to an extent, that's a One Life Less problem as well. We're talking on a radio station, which isn't for gamers, and we're trying to talk about games, and we address that by broadly ignoring games. That's a, that's a good that's a good <laughs> Which is, a, you know, maybe we should cover more drinking games on the show. I think we should. That sounds like a definite route, Steve. I think that will bring in more people, and, and it's something everybody can relate to. So you've been doing this this sort of thing for quite a while, haven't you, Paul? What, journalism in general? Yes. Yeah, yeah since, uh, gosh, 88 was when I Stuff. 88. 88. What was your first gig? Uh, that was the One magazine. That was the One. What yeah. do we know about that, Anne? Isn't that what Simon did? That was what Simon did. I predate yeah. Simon, actually. Really? Do you remember really? Simon when he was a whippersnapper? Then? I do, yeah. I remember him joining him up for the first time. <gasps> what was he like? Oh. <laughs> he hasn't changed much, I must say. Really? Still precocious and still, you know. Precocious? <laughs> Interesting. I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> and, <laughs> national radio. <laughs> Um, and so you've written for the one. Who else have you written for? Uh, PC Zone was probably the biggest one. Okay. I was with them from the beginning almost through to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and freelance for loads of people as well. You know, all the all the usual futures and Dennis publishing titles and. So you must have now. you must have seen the industry change a, a lot. Oh God, yeah. And yeah. also the audiences change a lot. Well, the industry's gotten younger and younger in terms of in terms of people. It seems to be when I started, everyone had a background in journalism at least when they started uh-huh. when it was on the magazines now it's like get the first 12 year old off the street who can string two words together and pay him tuppence you know did simon have a background in journalism or did he have a gcse in woodwork it's <laughs> <laughs> o level did he have an uh, o level probably it was an o level. Oh, he said he did woodwork because it was the only one where you didn't have to you couldn't take homework home <laughs> Clever. So maybe you've got something, you know. It's a smart move. His CV was immaculately carved, I remember that. <laughs> so can you tell me what um, what what video games or what all of this sort of experience has taught you uh, over the last 20 years? Oh, uh, find another experience. career. <laughs> 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 really, you, as you said earlier, you get jaded mm-hmm. very quickly, especially mm-hmm. when you're doing it for a living and you have to play so many games every sure. day and the majority of them are all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you get very jaded and there's very little true innovation coming along until the last well should we say look five years or so when the indie scene really picks up again right that when that hit that's when everything sort of became back to the way it was back in the 80s and 90s with the Mm -hmm. bedroom programmers and so there was a big period in the middle where it was very corporate very controlled by the the big people and they got very bored so you're feeling the love returning yeah in a way yeah what's what's surprised you then over the last few years Oh, just the, the rise of the indie people. I mean, people like Notch becoming multi-millionaires. That would uh-huh. never have happened, you know, back in the early days. They'd have been snapped up by a, a team. Matthew Smith? Matthew Smith? The, the creator of Manic Miner. Oh, God, yeah. First video game rock star. Yeah. Uh, lived on a commune in Amsterdam for a while. <laughs> yeah, until he went crazy. Yeah. Beautiful interview with him with uh, Ian Lee on YouTube, which you can find where he's recalling these days with glassy eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, that's. I, I agree. Are there any specific examples other than Notch of things that have 
you know, thrilled you other than Minecraft? I'm not saying Notch <laughs> thrilled you. Maybe he did. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's, specific examples are hard to pick out because there's yeah. so many that you just stumble across every day as you're sure. just browsing through these things. I mean, I was playing Slender Man the other day. Uh, and it's just like, it's oh, a God, scary you know, game. You it? play that for five minutes and then you just want to run away. But it does move <laughs> you. It, it gets you. It grips you inside something. It gives you a connection to a game that you wouldn't have got with, say, Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they, they get you on such an emotional level, these things, because there's so much heart being put into them. Do you think that that's... Um the, the the criticism of Call, Call of Duty you just made there, I, I sort of agree with. I mean, I played uh, played the most recent version uh, through to completion for BAFTA, and I just found it completely bewildering. Mm. Like men shouting at me, and I thought, oh, it's you know, it's not what it was in my day. Doom and <laughs> flickering lights and all of that sort of stuff. But that's just a sign of being old, isn't it? Mm, yes and no. And no, I mean, yes, things like Call of Duty are very polished. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly the kind of market they're going for. Mm-hmm. And they hit it perfectly. They, mm-hmm. they are very good games. Let's not make any bones about that. But they don't connect with you, with certain people. They don't connect with you on such a guttural level as some of these smaller, more focused games do. The ones that are really just being made because the person who's creating it has a great idea. Right, and just I wants see. to make that idea come to life. As opposed to, right, we need to do the next sequel. We need to produce 30 levels like this, and it needs to be like this, and this, and this, and tick all the boxes. I just wonder whether there's games that, that in that um, era, the sort of Doom era, when you know, I used to read PC Zone and, and see everyone get excited about uh, Doom and things like that and dismiss games like Myst, like out of hand. Myst was almost oh, yeah. a byword for, you know, uh, you know, everything that's wrong with the games industry. Oh, this isn't fun. But now Myst is such a influential title. And if you look at games like um, The Witness, which Jonathan Blow is working on, I think that has far more in common with Myst than, than most people would like to admit. Right? I think I think Jonathan Blow would, would almost say that as well. Yeah. It's funny, but I think in every era of the games industry, there's always there's always a kind of a, a, an outsider that everyone has a go at. You know, I think you know in the early '90s, it wasn't just Myst style adventures, but it was also like the whole idea of uh, interactive movies, mm-hmm. which with the advent of CD technology in the early 90s you got a lot of these enormous games like Phantasmagoria which were on like 18 discs mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. and really it was just a sequence of film uh, uh, film sequences and that was that that was the kind of the enemy then that was the that was the social gaming of its day wasn't mm-hmm. it and uh, and I think Mist was in was, was almost in that it was if if you weren't of our ilk if you weren't in our little club then I think you, I think you're absolutely right the gaming is broader today and there are more sort of uh, you know greater experiences but I think also the the key point is that that we like the things we like and we change as mm. we're growing growing up and growing older and the kids today who have never seen a first person shooter before who their first experience just like my first experience was with doom their first experience will be call of duty or something that we look at and you know we don't see the spark and it will blow them away and it's difficult for us to see into that uh, mindset maybe that's why it's a 12 year old 12 year old game mm. not call of duty but journalism <laughs> <laughs> in fact Okay, uh, let's have some uh, let's have some some market news from Derek Williams. FIFA 13's number one, blah blah, whatever. Football's rubbish and boring. I've never been keen on playing it and never had any interest in watching it. And it's not like the teams represent a town or city in any w- real way, is it? Most of the players in any team are from other places and often in other countries. Rubbish.
then there's all that unpleasant thuggish chanting. Never a good thing. I once went to a game in the now non-existent Wembley Stadium when I was in first school. It was so boring I fell asleep and lost all my spending money. I only went because we got to go to a safari park beforehand. And even that was only because I had a really good fairground where with Ace Arcade games and fun fair rides. But watching a bunch of blitz chase a ball around this patch of grass for 90 minutes was incredibly dull. Even the sporadic moments where I'd kick the ball toward the goal and miss didn't do anything for me despite others' excitement. I could have been at home playing on my ZX Spectrum instead. Still, I did spend quite a bit of time playing multiplayer soccer manager on the Spectrum. There was some bug there with it which made everyone useless next season as I recall, so you had to make sure you joined another team. And then there was another brilliant manager game on the Ball World Cup edition on the Amiga that opted a more RPG style to its management players having personal lives and getting in trouble and all that kind of thing. Loads of fun, etc. was useless at it, and of course Sensible Soccer is one of the greatest games ever. So even if the actual thing is crap, at least football has inspired some really good games. I'm Derek Williams and this is my free market economy which is at the top of its very own Premier League of one. Derek Williams, another brilliant free market economy, which according to our CD player <laughs> is 13 minutes long. When it started playing we just all went... Um, has Derek gone insane this This week? is the sort of 12-inch remix yeah. of, uh, of uh, yeah, Free Market Economy. No, that's okay. It is okay. Uh, so, it's time for us to do the letters, which, unfortunately, as a product of Simon not being here, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have to fish out from my email inbox. Whoa. So, Wiles, just talk amongst yourselves. Okay, Keith, Thanks. you had a question, didn't you? Did, you? Didn't you Keith? I did. Yeah, I was going to ask. Well, I've been in the. I, I, I've been doing this for almost as long as you, Paul, but not quite. And mm. and how has the in- industry and dealing with publishers changed? Because I because that's changed a lot since since I started in like nineteen ninety five. But it must have been. Do you think it has changed? I think yeah. I mean, I could still ring up when I when I started on Edge in ninety five. I was still allowed to ring up developers. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, there's that. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the developer access is a lot more controlled. Although that said, um, the magazine we do continue has had done a lot of developer f- uh, focus features, and we do a lot of interviews with developers on specific subjects. Now, as long as you're not asking developers about you know what's in your new game, but just asking them about the, the notion of game developing themselves. They seem to be okay for us to talk to them. The publishers seem to just give us access left, right, and centre. We've had a lot of easy time getting uh, de- getting developer interviews for us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you approach it in the right way, it's okay. But yeah, if if you are just doing the whole, you know, we just want to know what's in your new game, we would be the first with it. Yes, it's all the deals still tied up. You still have to sign uh, NDAs with the publishers left, right, and centre. But it's always been like that. It was like that when I started back on the one. You, you had PRs coming in every other week, and they would always sign you up for stuff, and you'd, you'd get an exclusive, and the rival magazine wouldn't, and then the next week they would, and you wouldn't. And it's, it's always been like that. Uh, yeah, I would. I think the level of paranoia has increased a lot. But I guess that's because there's much, much more money involved now. Like the the the, con- the whole concept of a review event where you're all locked in a. <laughs> Uh, you know, in a specific place for two days to review a certain game, uh, that to me is with, has been within the last one or two years. That's yeah, that's pretty new. I mean, what would happen, say, when I was on PC Zone, was if you had the exclusive review, you'd be flown somewhere or be you know, trained somewhere if it was in England, and you'd be locked in a room for one or two days by yourself with a game. But you'd usually get access to it afterwards as well, and there'd be that the big whole thing of review event that didn't really happen so much. You preview events certainly, but review events not so much. That's pretty new. Mm-hmm. Time for our letters. Email, messages, and forward BCC. One life letters. 
three letters this week. First one is from David Burrows. Says, hi team OLL and super special guest. Be they indies, journos, muppets, puppets, devs, reps, chums, or just one of Steve's former colleagues. <laughs> Which makes it sound like none of the previous ones can be my former none colleagues. Of them can. Disagree. It's been an age since I last wrote into OLL. Studies have got in the way and I fell behind with my usual podcasts. Luckily, a considerable quantity of commuting has been necessary this last week and given me the welcome opportunity to sit back and take in all of the One Life Left back catalogue dating back to June. It's odd condensing so many quips, retorts and nonsense remarks into just a few days listening, but I think my sanity remains intact. Just. Anyway, says David, on the topic of video game cocktails, it may involve a little bit of cross-genre blending, but I think that's okay given the theme of mixing drinks. Here's one. It's a Sonic the Hedgehog screwdriver. Good title. Ingredients. Vodka and orange juice, the requisite components of a screwdriver, perhaps with a dash of food colouring to get the desired blue tint. Can you do that with orange? Can you tint no, orange? No, it's going to go green, isn't it? If you put blue food colouring in it, it'll go green. What's that blue drink? Blue... That one, not blue WKD. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although that is the default blue. Not just a vodka and tonic with a rohypnol in it. Sure, <laughs> uh, usual drink of choice. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's going to be one of our Game City cocktails for our special guests. Uh, the trick with the presentation, continues David, at the start of the evening, the drink has to be made with the best vodka and the freshest orange juice, but as the evening progresses, cheaper and cheaper ingredients must be used until everyone hates up ends up hating their once, belo- once beloved Sonic the Hedgehog screwdriver. Love the show! Uh, it's a good idea. It's a great Concept idea. drink yeah. based on uh, Sonic's lineage. Thanks, David. Okay, next letter. Karaoke news. We need to talk about yeah, the karaoke. Do. Let's don't let me forget. I if it gets to if it gets to ten to, we haven't talked about the karaoke. Remind me. Remind me. Okay. Hello, team. Says Ben Hall, regular contributor. Ben Hall, possibly plus a super special guest, and hopefully not, but possibly plus a returning Steve. Thanks, Ben. I'm taking a National Express coach down to London and staying in an EasyJet hotel in order to attend your karaoke night this Thursday. It's this Thursday. It is this Thursday. That's so soon. It should be a fun night as long as Anne attempts to sing Super Bass again. I'm not doing it. Really? There's no way that I'm doing that again. Okay, we'll see. However, I've just found out that some of the senior managers at the pharmaceutical company where I work are also staying overnight in London for a team building (laughs) exercise. If they do somehow manage to find out where I am and get to the Walkabout Temple on Thursday, October the 4th, can we quickly start performing some medical-based karaoke songs so I can get a promotion? Does Dr. Avatar have any ideas? Medical-based karaoke songs, guys, go. Brainstorm. So I'm thinking of what we've already got. So Purple Rain Becomes Heavy Rain Becomes Heavy Pain. That's good. Thanks. That's actual brainstorming. Um, Part Life Becomes Half Life Becomes Half Dead. (laughs) (laughs) writes itself this is brilliant we'll work on something Ben thank you very much for that and finally a letter in four minutes before the show started (laughs) so right at the top of my inbox well done Sam Ward her title is A Pain in the Arse which I was quite worried about frankly at this point it says Dear Tizzle and Super Special Special Jizzle (laughs) I've been called many things (laughs) 
I am going into hospital for what can only be described as bum surgery. Oh, no. According to the surgeon, I will be in considerable discomfort for, you, for a few days, which sounds to me like a great excuse to get some guilt-free gaming in. Anyway, I will have a Vita on your excellent recommendation and an iPhone by my bed. What downloadable title would you recommend for a hazy and pain-distracted fella such as my good self, i.e. nothing too cerebral? With love, Anonymous Sam. So titles that we are not going to review but we'd recommend i think in that state where you may be on a bit of pain medication possibly that's when your best place to play super hexagon really yeah because you're going to be a bit hazy and like you know your focus is going to be slightly off but no i think it's i think no i think it's the best time you know when you you know when everything else in the room is spinning and suddenly so is the screen and you're going to just connect i think you're going to connect with it (laughs) or be sick it's the same as if you do it drunk okay do you do it drunk? Not yet. Okay. Good. Keith? I think I, I think probably sound shapes I'd go for if you said a Peter. Yeah, because you can just sort of relax, make your own levels, make them really, really easy so you don't have to worry too much. I think Super Hexagon would involve too much clenching. Oh, no. <laughs> Paul? I was going to say, it's a pity it's not on the Vita, but if he's in a darkened hospital, Slender Man would have been good. Oh, no. You're going to scare him. He doesn't want that kind of stress. <laughs> that isn't right, surely. You got one, Steve? I'm not sure. Maybe Desert Bus. Oh, that's perfect. Play Desert mm, Bus for the entire doing, time you're in there. Yeah, not doing anything for ages. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sounds good. Okay, that's our letter section. If you have any letters for us, preferably on video games, but it doesn't have to be, please write to teamatonelifeleft.com and we will reply to them next week. left resonance 104.4 fm meteor shower by chasing bleeps we thought of we were thinking of more songs we realized that we do snake steve decided to turn it into worms that works snake is a you have to do all three stages okay, so, so it goes from faith, george michael's faith, faith to george to michael's snake, snake. 
to George Michael's worms. Which is something he never wants to be found in the newspapers. Could you do one on... Uh, so we've got Britney Spears' uh, Toxic. Goes uh, to... Tetris. Britney Spears' Tetris. Goes to... Uh, tetanus. <laughs> That's gold! Brilliant. That is gold! There's loads of these. So, yes, Ben, the answer is we can do anything. Anything you want. <laughs> If you will just come to our karaoke. We are absolutely serious about this, listeners. If you are in London... On Thursday. If you are in London on Thursday and you're listening to Resonance right now, or if you're listening to the One Life Left podcast, please come to our karaoke. It is very, very special. We've never done it in London before. We've done it twice. Once in um, San Francisco, once in Nottingham. I was at the Nottingham one. Both times, absolute smash success. What we do is we take pop songs, we've rewritten them, uh, so they have lyrics about video games. It sounds like a bad idea. I was convinced it was a bad idea, but all the times we've Turns done it, it's, done, it's gone brilliantly, apart from the one time that we don't talk about. Apart from that, it's don't been a success every don't time. Even know. It works every time. So um, let's, let's all go. Let's, let's all go. Th- let's all let's turn all, up. All of us, let's all go. We'll all have a lovely time. And then let's just not worry about it. We're not going to worry about <laughs> it. It's going to go it. brilliantly. But turn up, turn uh, up. Temple Walkabout. It's right near Temple Tube Station. Mm-hmm. Um, what time are we going to start? It'll be open from about seven. We'll be kicking off karaoke at about eight. Happy hour all night. It's happy night. <laughs> um, please come. Top five. Keith, I asked you to do a top five of words that should not be used in video game reviews. How did you get on? I did. I got all five. All I got five. five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do I get a prize? Let's get on with it then. Okay. Do I count down from number five? At five. At number five, straight in this week, it's immersive, oh. which is kind of quite harsh because it's one of the primary things you, you judge a video game by, but surely all games, to some extent, are immersive. It's, of, it's often used as a as a uh, you know a word to praise a game to say oh it's so immersive isn't it so immersive exactly you just got to think what do you mean by that don't use it on its own tell me how the game immerses you exactly yes and there's a whole school of thought to say that maybe immersion isn't the best judge of a great game anyway so that that's in at number five it's a good judge of a bath yes well or a spa thanks thank you no, you'd never know you were jet lagged at four. And, and uh, number four, yeah, it's visceral. Oh. Visceral. Visceral? Visceral? Visceral. Not only do we not know how to say it, we don't know how <laughs> you should use it, and neither does anyone writing about games. Have you ever used visceral, Paul? Maybe once or twice. Oh, it's so <laughs> visceral, this game. What I love about this game is it's so visceral. It's just so visceral. What I love about this radio show is that it's so visceral. Visceral sounds like a word you might use to describe molasses. It's meaty. That's what I love about this radio show. Viscera. What I love about that Capcom PR stunt is that it's so visceral. That would work. That would work because it's, yeah. Otherwise, stay away. At three. At three. And I'm sure I've done this myself. So, and a lot of people aren't going to know what this word is, but it's actioner. Actioner. Which is a term used in video game journalism to to denote an action game. It's an actioner. Actioner, so it's a genre. It's just, it's just, it's a genre, yes. And you can apply that to other genres. You can have a puzzler or a platformer, but those kind of or a role RPG, RPG, Ripper. <laughs> um, I don't know. Are there any other genres? A socialer? 
A bandler. <laughs> That's probably going to crop a up. A musicer. Clicker. Clicker. Rhythmer. Carder. Drinker. <laughs> Border. Whatever, whatever you shouldn't just, do it. Just don't do it. Stop it. Tell what me what the game all is. Games actioners in some form. Yes, exactly. They're not passivers, are no. they? <laughs> oh, I should be jet lagged more often. That's just good. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, next at two. Number two, we've got a high climber this week with addicting, which is something you hear a lot in Amer- oh, the American press. God, this game is so addicting. No, it's not. It's not. Nothing is addicting. I can't because I'm so worried about language that I worry that they're right and that is the they word. They aren't right. They aren't right. They are. Do you know for definite? I know words. Okay. That's not one. Things can be addictive. <laughs> we have a word for addicting. Yeah. It is addictive. That's the word we have. Use that one, then everything will be fine. I'm genuinely appealed at this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're clutching your face. It looks clutching like Edvard Monks the Scream. <laughs> and at one, straight in at number one, it's seminal. Seminal. <laughs> Which is an unpleasant word anyway. It but is. If you're not sure what to say about a game that's more than five years old, then oh, it's either vintage seminal, or seminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lazy word, isn't it? It's a lot of my clothes are seminal. Really? Yeah. So I've heard. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, that's great. So that's our top five of words that video game reviewers or writers should not use. Paul, is there anything we missed out there? Can you think of anything? Not the top of my head. I think I know where Seminole started. Really? Yeah, I think it was in the very first Doom review back in PC Zone. Really? I think uh, David McCandless is responsible for bringing <gasps> Seminole into video game reviews. What pain he has wrought. <laughs> I thought of another one, uh, which isn't a word, but drug analogies. Oh, uh, what any any sort <laughs> just any drug and I think that's on acid. Yeah, or... this is like X on crack. But there's that whole series of things that sub editors do or, or production editors do in captions and and stand first things like blah blah blah. So you don't have to. Mm. I just think anyone that does that, it just any piece of writing that begins with a dictionary definition. Mm. Anything. Let's have some music. I need to calm down. <laughs>
This is One Life Left, Resonance 104.4 FM. We just, we just did, right now, maybe because I'm jet-lagged and can't say words, but maybe because I'm not thinking properly, maybe because of a billion different things, we just did something we have never, ever, ever, ever done before on the radio show, and that is talk about games when the mics are down. Ugh. I know, right? That's so weird. I know. I don't like it. Your eyes glassed over like they do in the rest of the show. Uh, we're having quite a nice time, aren't having we? Having a lovely time. Yeah, lovely Let's get time. rid of Simon more. Really? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, let's I'm not missing. do that. Uh, give us some clues. Why, why is Simon not here? Um, let me think of it. It's it, where he at, Where he's at? Uh, it's it's a, it's sporting. It's a sporting sporting event. events. Interesting. It's not Interesting. the Ryder Cup. Interesting. Not the Ryder Cup. Is mm. he practicing his javelin again? Has he gone to the wrestling? Oh. He's a big, he's a big The Rock fan. He is, isn't he? Um, I don't know. Okay, well, if you've got any suggestions, please email in for next week's show. We'll probably find out by then. Yeah. Be, is it a long sporting event? It's ninety minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very specific sporting event. Uh, this is Mystical by Dread. We play a lot of Dread on the show. It's a One Life Left classic. And now it's time for our reviews. And what have you been playing this week? Um, so I've been playing Bad Piggies. Bad Piggies? That, that doesn't sound like a triple-A classic. No. It's the uh, new Angry Birds game, which focuses on the pigs instead of the birds. Is it by the yeah, Angry yeah. Birds people? Okay. It's by Rovio. Um, oh. It is... Rovio. Or I, I say Rovio. Rovio. I don't say, I don't say that. that. Um, so this time you're on the side of the pigs. There's a very brief sort of cartoon storyboard bit which tries to get you on the side of the pigs and explains that they love the eggs and they're just trying to hunt them now and apparently that's enough to get you back on side having been told for so long that you should hate them and you should fight them and you should bring them down and then you are um, a pig, you have to uh, create these little trucks to get the pig down the side of a hill or and get it to pick up little stars and you have to get to the end where the map is. Really? Yeah. Wow. I just found it really boring. I did. I, the learning curve was not... wasn't exciting. I didn't like the mechanics of it. And I just think that I got so angry that I was being told to like the pigs. <laughs> it's like Were when, you emotionally invested in Angry Birds? Not massively, but all of a sudden to be told to switch. Like, so I uh, love The Wizard of Oz, the film. I think it's incredible. And then I went to go and see Wicked and I was try- uh, made to try to like The Wicked Witch of the West <laughs> and was told, oh, she's, you know, she's had a, a tough time. This yep. is why you should like her. Um, I couldn't get on board with that and I can't get on board with this. So I stopped playing it and I went back to play. Uh, Rayman Jungle Run, which I love so much. I'm having such a nice time with it. Two two reviews in one. Oh, I did that last week. And uh, I've, okay. I've kept on playing it because I love it that much. That's awesome. Uh, score for uh, your game? Uh, for Bad Piggies, 7 out of 10. Excellent. And for Rayman Jungle Run, 7 out of 10. Still 7 out of 10. Yes. Uh, Keith. Yes. Yeah, I've been, I've been playing Walking Dead. Uh, by Telltale Games. Ah, what which, episode are they on now? Well, they're on episode three. I'm a little bit behind. Episode okay. three uh, is out now. Episode four is coming out in later in October. Right. Okay. And yeah, it's uh, incredibly dramatic and atmospheric um, adventure game based on the popular comic book series and TV show. You are essentially in a series of quite recognisable zombie type apocalyptic scenarios with a small group of characters who 
kill each other, kill zombies, uh, have an enormously shocking moments of drama and quick time events. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how long is each episode? Uh, it's about two hours. Two hours, so, okay. Yeah, it's good for an old, old chap like me who's got children, who, does not, <laughs> who finds it difficult to concentrate for it in long periods. Yeah, it's, it, it's essentially like watching a series of movies but with with uh, obviously interactive elements and moral choices and does make. this does this play out like telltale telltale games usually do you find an object in a crate and then use it on a certain thing or is it more sort of script based than that there is a little bit of that although i mean I, mostly this game is, is based very heavily around the moral choices you have uh-huh. to make there's lots of occasions where for example the zombies are crashing into a cafe and you've got to save one character or another but the weird thing about this game is lots of people have criticized it because they've gone back and played it again and since found out that some of the moral choices you have to make are uh, almost heavily uh, very heavily scripted sure. in that you can go back and the same thing will happen and my answer to that would be that does does that does that really matter am i right in thinking it tells you uh, how many people have done the same moral choice as you at the end of it, the game yeah it does i mean there's there'll be like five choices at the end and it will say uh, yeah it will say it will give you the event of i don't want to give anything away but it'll give yeah. you the event of what's happened and it will say 50% did this uh-huh. and 50% did that which i mean it's reasonably interesting although that does lead you to believe that it is quite scripted because everybody's seen the same five things so does uh, does it tell you how moral you are? It unfortunately doesn't. Okay. That would be quite interesting. I think how it leaves it up you? to you. Uh, I don't know because the, the game doesn't does. tell me, so I've got no idea. <laughs> I, all I know about myself is what I've learned through games, and if they're not going to tell me, <laughs> frankly, I'm lost. Uh, what score are you going to give it? Well, I mean, I, it's it's a dramatic and horrifying game. It's a difficult game to, to hedge your bets on. You've really got to you've really got to go with a firm score. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten seems fair. Paul. Uh, I've been playing War of the Roses. War of the Roses? Yeah, it's uh, that battle sword em up. It's uh, sort of a battlefield with broadswords, they call it. Okay. It's uh, by Paradox Interactive. It's a uh, first-person slasher, shall we say. So you, you pick up either swords or bows and arrows or crossbows, and you two teams facing off against each other in a, a contained map. And it's quite a lot of fun once you get the hang of it. Is it's this a first-person thing? Yeah, it is all first-person. Um, you... You have to sort of either control a shield and a sword, or just a sword, or bow and arrow. But the, the, the slashing dynamics are quite weird until you get the hang of it. You, you sort of say, I want to hit to the left, or I want to hit to the right, but you don't actually hit to the left or the right manually. Okay. And you have to do it very quick, though, and it's sort of really weird at first, but once you get, once it clicks in you, then you start having a lot of fun, and then you start slashing people up left, right, and centre, and it's quite a lot of fun. Okay, I, I thought the thing about these sort of battles were there'd be hundreds of people going at each other, so how does a game deal with that when... You have about, probably about 32 per side, I think. They, right, okay. 16 to 32 per side is, is how they max it. It's still in the review sort of servers at the moment, so they haven't been fully full. Um... But it doesn't matter because the, the areas are so condensed. It's like any right. sort of first-person shooter map. It's so contained and condensed that it sort of feels more, sorry, visceral than it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Sounds very immersive. Yes, it is. Yeah, Would you quite, say quite, it was a seminal game? No, it's quite addicting. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, are you going to give it a score? Yeah, I think... Uh, because of the addicting seminal nature of it, 7 out of 10. Sounds, sounds correct. Steve. Hi. What have you been playing, or have you just been flying around? I have been flying around. I've been still playing Football Manager. It's going quite well. One yeah. of my players just left for a bigger club. Oh, it's annoying. No. I had a big club release clause in the contract. And he, what? he took what advantage scoundrel. of it. I know. He went from Stockport to Charlton. Which is I suppose it, uh, basically <laughs> yes these days definitely very much up. Anyway, apart from that, I was playing a game called Cogs. I've never heard of Cogs before, but I was playing it because it was twenty five p on the. That's <laughs> a strange price. Google have been having a sale to celebrate twenty five million apps sold, so I thought, well, I'll buy it. And Madden was twenty five p. Madden. 
I know. And cogs is is fine. It's a puzzle game where you place cogs on a or, or you move cogs in the sliding block puzzle style to get things to work. I think it's quite clever. It's quite fun, and it's entirely predictable. Uh, essentially, once you've seen the mechanics, which weren't predictable. So let's say it's not entirely predictable. <laughs> it's not predictable at all. It's impressed me with its lack of predictability. However. I enjoyed it in a way that was predictable. Um, it's good, but the real surprise for me is the 25p thing. And I know we keep saying this, but the fact that Madden was... How much was it when Madden 95 was out? 39.99. And it's basically a better game than that, and is now 25p. Um, is astonishing. More astonishing is the fact that Where's My Perry, a sequel to Where's My Water, I didn't buy at the time it came out because I was outraged that they were trying to charge me for an add-on pack because it was 69p. But now it's been reduced to 25p. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. 69p. Bizarre economics. Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, that concludes my reviews, except for to say, Cogs, solid 7 out of 10. Good. We're at the end of the show. I was going to play are. a piece of music. There's no point. Don't. No point. Let's, let's just done. wrap it up. We're done with music. We can wrap up the show uh, because we have about 30 seconds left. Well, Thanks, guys, for coming on the show so much uh, and saving what would have been a jet lag debacle. Yeah. Uh, as visceral as I sound. <laughs> um, Stop it. I am not. <laughs> uh, I am immersed in, a, in, in sleep and no. soon, hopefully, a bath. <laughs> Who I'm knows? so glad you didn't do seminal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we have been One Life Left. Uh, we're a radio show about video games, and we will be back next week. Thanks again, guys. Thanks to all of our contributors, uh, and we'll see you soon. On Thursday. Thursday, come to the karaoke. Bye! Bye. <laughs>